Good morning. Good afternoon. How you doing out there today? This is David Robert for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day. It is July the 11th, 2023. We are in the throes of summer. I know I've said that before, but it feels good. And then there's this little part of me that's thinking, all right, you got to prepare for the fall, got to prepare for the winter, you know, don't fall into the trap of last year wearing the same uh, ski pants that were a little bit too small because you didn't shop for anything in the summer. But, um, you know, we'll we'll put that off to the side. I just want to thank you for listening. Uh, Before we get started, you can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcast. We're talking Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, you name it, rocking and rolling, doing the damn thing. Got my co-host Phoenix with me. How you doing, Phoenix? Meow. Yeah, Phoenix is here partying with me. She screams at you when her dish is empty like she's never eaten before, but she's doing okay. So today we're going to be chatting about something that I've seen in the news. You might have seen it as well. It is a documentary called Shiny Happy People. Uh, put out by Amazon, which talks about a certain sect within the evangelical Pentecostal uh, church, as it were, a very hardcore, almost unnecessarily strict version of biblical teachings, particularly within the family, respecting of parents and how to discipline children. And there's a podcast that I've been following for the last little bit called Cults to Consciousness. The program in and of itself is on YouTube, and I believe it's also in podcast form. I, I watch the video version all the time, and they, the, the host, which I will get her name in a second here, she has people coming on the show who have been involved with um, various cults as well as um, you know, churches, denominations, but places that have caused people a lot of harm, as it were. So, so let me look it up here. Cults to... Mm-hmm. So here it is. Hope I spelled it right. Yep, cults. Okay, here we go. So This lady, uh, I'm just going to get her name, but while I'm looking up her name here, I'll just kind of give you a brief description of what I've seen. So over the last little bit, she has been able to um, bring people to have been a part of a lot of really bad organizations that have really hurt a lot of people. And it's been, um, oh, sorry about that. And it's been very, as she claims, very, um, very soothing and very just able to help people gain a lot of perspective and so let me get her name here um, let me see so the last episode that she had was to train up a child the horrific book that tormented um, her childhood and so the lady that she interviewed her name was Kendra And Kendra's parents took to the abusive techniques to train their seven children to the extreme, uh, fighting for her life every day, trying to understand what she did to deserve this pain. When she turned 18, she ran. Little little did she know, she ran right into the arms of another predator who married her two weeks later and got her pregnant six months after that. When the abuse continued, she determined to save her baby son from the horrendous teachings she ran a second time. She worked three jobs, put herself through nursing school, and raised her son as a single mom with zero friends or family members to help. Um, so some of the resources that they have on this is to why not train a child.com stop spanking.org. Um, the lady who runs this, her name is, uh, Shalice, uh, Shalice Ann, if I'm not mistaken. And so you can find her on Instagram at, um, Shalice, Shalice Ann, and she's the host of cults to consciousness. She's an actor who's always dancing and exploring, um, salsa spirit travels. And so she's, I believe a former Mormon 
who escaped that uh, lifestyle and is helping people to kind of find themselves again, to become whole people rather than just uh, someone who's in the throes of a, uh, well, of a very damaging and horrendous lifestyle. Now, I'm not here to knock religion. I'm not here to knock faith. I'm not here to put down anyone's belief. But if your belief or your following is something that is causing harm and pain to other people, it's causing you to use tactics that would have you dominate and just eviscerate any type of agency from your children or your spouse, or it's just hurting people. You need to question it. And there's nothing wrong with questioning and debating and looking at what your faith and your following and your just your your um, your ideologies are, you know, and if they are actually helping or hurting people. So when we look into it, there was a book called "To Train Up a Child," and this ch- this book was written by. Just look it up here. Okay. Good Lord. Here we go. So, Train Up a Child is a 1994 parent advice book written and self-published by independent Baptist Michaels and Debbie Pearl, which um, has generated, let me see, uh, which has generated controversy for encouraging child abuse. The book has been endorsed by the Institute of Basic Life Principles. To Train Up a Child gained notoriety after methods recommended in this book were found to have contributed to several several high-profile cases of children's death. So the background of this book is basically Michael Pearl, which was born in 1945, is an American independent Baptist preacher and author. And after graduating from Mid-South Bible College, he worked with Union Mission in Memphis for 25 years. His 2006 graphic novel, Good and Evil, won the Independent Publishers Award bronze medal in the graphic novel drama category in 2009 and let me see Michael married Debbie Pearl in 71 together they wrote to train up a child which they self-published they have five children and 18 grandchildren their daughter Soshana Elsine has said she had a wonderful childhood and that her parents never spoke to her in anger Another daughter, Rebecca Pearl, has said, I think that the fact that all five of us are very happy, balanced people with great marriages and happy kids is evidence that my parents did the right thing. Uh, Michael and Debbie Pearl's teachings on physical discipline were endorsed by the Institute in Basic Life Principles. The Pearls and To Train Up a Child were briefly covered in the documents, documentary series Shiny Happy People, The Duggar Family Secrets, which details the Duggar family and their upbringing under the IBLP which is, uh, yeah, the acronym for their, their I guess, company. Uh, so let's see. The organization brings in between 1.5 and 1.7 million a year through product sales and donations and has sold or donated over 1.5 million books, copies of Pearl's books, CDs and DVDs and other materials. The controversy to train up a child has been criticized for advocating child abuse. The book tells parents to use objects like a uh, 0.25 in, a 6.4 millimeter diameter plastic tube to spank children and break their will. It recommends other abusive tactics while withhold, like withholding food, putting children under a cold garden hose, so waterboarding your good lord, waterboarding your child. Um, his teachings are linked to the deaths of Sean Paddock, Lydia Shetz. Shadzats and Hannah Grace Rose Williams. In all three cases, homeschooling parents acted on the Pearl's teachings. Michael Ramsey, the district attorney who prosecuted the the Shatz case, called to train up a child an extraordinarily dangerous book for those who take it literally and truly an evil book. Dr. Francis Chalmers, the pediatrician who examined Hannah Williamson's corpse, said that this book, while perhaps well-intended, could easily be misinterpreted and could lead to what I consider significant abuse. And so, just to let you know, Shiny Happy People, uh, The Duggar Family Secrets, is an American limited television documentary series about the Duggar family and its relationship with the Institute in Basic Life Principles. And so uh, this series premiered on June, just uh, last month, on Amazon, directed by Olivia Christ and Julia Willow... Willow Nason. Willow by Nason. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, so, yeah. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, the reason I'm talking about this, the reason why this was such a burning topic for me 
is I'll give you a little backstory. Uh, myself, I was, you know, born 79, uh, came up in the 80s and the 90s under very well-meaning Caribbean first-generation, uh, well, Caribbean parents, fresh off the boat, as it were. And when they came to Canada, they brought with them a lot of the ideals from the Caribbean, based in white supremacy, the dominance of the British crown, and all of the examples of that culture that seeped into the Caribbean, from Barbados to Grenada to Jamaica to St. Vincent, St. Croix, St. Kitts, St. Lucius, all of the Virgin Islands was under uh, the British Commonwealth at one point in time. And even though a large portion of the islands have gotten their independence or are fighting for it now, and there's a discussion to be had about that at a later podcast, it's left an indelible mark in particular when it comes to discipline, rearing of children, raising of kids, who's in charge of the home, who should be the one to make decisions when it comes to discipline and correction of the child. And I, I remember hearing growing up of the ideals of, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child, and particularly within the black community and any third world kind of country, if you come to Canada or America or more developed nations, it wasn't uncommon to hear my Lebanese, Arabic, Muslim, Somalian, Haitian friends, and also Caribbean and African friends talk about how badly they were spanked, beaten, disciplined, and realizing that, and this was a real thing, we thought that all of our white friends, that their parents were too soft on them, that grounding and timeouts were for the weak and the only way you could actually get through to a child was to like you know let them have it with the back of your hand or the the back of the belt buckle or the telephone cord or the wooden spatula and even though i'm coming at this with a lot of grace because my dad and my mother god rest her soul did everything that they possibly could do to make sure that we didn't get involved in gangs and running the streets and stealing and all that kind of stuff you have to show some, a little bit of grace and, and mercy because in the 80s and the 90s, there was no language for child psychology among the zeitgeist, as you were, or the cultural, pop culture references for children. Children were to be seen and not heard, just go to school. You don't have anything really to worry about. What do you have anxiety for? What do you have, you know, fear of anything? You're a child. You don't have any bills to pay. You don't have real grown-up problems. And subsequently, and unbeknownst to a lot of parents, their children went undiagnosed in the 80s with ADHD and other sort of ailments that we just didn't have language for. And so, so many kids were unnecessarily spanked because they, their brains just didn't work in the you know binary, linear fashion that education was, was taught in back then. And if you couldn't pay attention or you couldn't grasp certain concepts, you didn't have the, the right, uh, the, the ability to sit still and to learn, you were, um, you were deemed a problem child. You were deemed difficult. You were deemed, you were put in the special needs bin. I know that, that's where they put me um, because I, I just, I hated, I just did not like school and I didn't understand why I had to be there. But when you're from uh, the background that my parents were from, that wasn't even a, a, a question. You, we, like the, the mindset was my parents came here to put up with mild and, you know, slight racism for a better life. They didn't leave the Caribbean and their culture and, and their families just to see their children, as my father would lovingly say, form the fool which I, I never got, but he would say that quite often. And as a child, you don't understand fully the ramifications of what it means to pay taxes and a mortgage and interest rates and gas. And, and I always felt there was this feeling of anger and somewhat a little bit of jealousy because here we were born in a country with, a, with so much, so much access to various um, degrees of success and education and healthcare that my parents never had and so to see them to see your children not really grasp that and suck it all in with gratitude and thanks and 
And to be a, a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, or an account, accountant, or something, something where you have some prestige, and you know, to show, hey, we made it, we're doing well. Um, you almost felt like you were shaming the family. So, if you had a mental illness, or if you had any sort of anything that would stop you from being able to um, take in a lot of the information that you're getting from school and everything else, you were deemed. You know, uh, return to sender if they could, you know. And I know they said, they maybe said it in jest, but I, I remember my parents repeatedly saying things like, you know, children up here in Canada are ungrateful. They don't care about their parents. They put them in homes when they get old. And I remember joking to my dad, uh, early, this was a couple years ago, where I'm like, Dad, I can't afford to put you in a home. <laughs> like, those things are like, they're like six, three, four to six grand a month. Like, I ain't got that kind of kind of bread, you know, but, um, but anyways, back to the, the whole shiny, happy people and the cult's consciousness. And so in watching these YouTube, um, episodes, it'll break your heart because you're listening to people pour out how they were being indoctrinated and groomed into, um, being submissive and having their will broken, utilizing violence and, and terrorist tactics like waterboarding and food denial and utilizing sleep deprivation and food insecurity. I mean, this is what happens to POWs in war camps and if they want to get information out of them. This isn't, you shouldn't be doing this to your child. And so I think the first thing I want to touch on is just the history of this kind of thing and why it's so prevalent within our society and why it needs to stop. And I'm, I'm saying this knowing as a person of color, with a history from the Caribbean that is very prevalent to um, to beat your child, to give him a whooping. Uh, a couple of years back, Anderson, Adrian Peterson, uh, he was at the time all, all pro running back for the Minnesota Vikings, had a couple of pictures published of his then, I believe, two to four-year-old son. I'm not quite I don't recall quite correctly how, how um, old the boy was, but he was under five years old. And his mother, he and the mom were not together, and so the mom released pictures to the press showcasing that, you know, this massive linebacker who took down guys twice his size on the NFL gridiron had had his son go get a switch because he'd either been talking back or, or um, acting you know, behaving rudely to him and just laid into this kid and the marks on this child's like legs and his hamstrings and his, it was just, it was a, it was a bit much. Like even for people who are advocates for capital punishment, when it comes to children or spanking, even were kind of like, I don't, I don't think that's, that's the way, you know, there were a lot of folks that were a little, that were kind of taken aback. And there were people on the opposite side of the conversation saying, no, this is, this is our culture, this is what we do, this is how you make sure your child doesn't end up in prison or on the pole dancing or pregnant and whatever else. And there's a conversation to be had whether or not spanking will actually stop a child from committing crimes or dropping out of school or teen pregnancy. But I do recall myself anyways, when, um, when we would get spanked, we would get either the you know, the telephone cord or the belt or the belt buckle or the back of the hand or the hand or the spatula. And you just grew up thinking that was normal. You grew up and just like, um, Russell Peters, um, famous comedy sketch where he talks about how, you know, his white friend Ryan told him, just tell your mom to F off. And <laughs> he went to do that to his parents and his dad's like, what do you think I am? You know, what do you think I'm Ryan's mom or something like that? And, it was this, this sense of actual pride that we spank our kids, we beat them, and they turn out fine. They know who's boss, they don't talk back, we don't have kids cussing us out in the store and swearing at us. And I'll tell you, for a, a long time I bought into that, I'm not going to lie. After I left home, I was very much adamant for capital punishment, spanking your kids, letting them have it, giving them the whoopings, you know, laying into them. It didn't hurt me. It didn't cause, I turned out fine, which was, you know, language that you would hear. And I remember once my first daughter was born, uh, Kira, and then when the second one came along, Zoe, I started realizing something. 
first and foremost, I couldn't spank or discipline my children the way my parents disciplined me. And the, the, the reason this started happening is I was, I was having discussions with friends, my wife and family and stuff, and just saying, yeah, if they get a line, you know, lay into them. Give, and I started questioning, why, why was that a thing I was looking forward to do? Was it because I had received beatings and spankings and whippings as a child that no, it was their turn and they shouldn't, they shouldn't get off the hook of being abused by their parents or, you know, given a spanking or given a backhand in the, in the Kmart parking lot, you know, or being laid into. I'll never forget, and I know this is horrible, but you got to have to laugh. My, my brother and I were getting ready for school and my mother had told us, uh, you know, here's your lunch. Get ready. We're going to walk to school. And our school was just across the street, so she could still watch us while we walked. And my brother was like, man, forget that. I'm taking the cookies off the top shelf. And I still remember to this day where the cookies were on top of this shelf. And it was this faux slash fake wood panel on the, on the cupboard. And you could climb up, grab them. And so he did that. And my mother saw him. And she grabbed those wooden bowls. And if you're from a kid from the 80s, you know these wooden bowls were. Every house had them. And they were kind of, some of them were heavy, some of them were a little bit light and flimsy, but she took that bowl and flung it at him, and it just got the right type of aerodynamic energy, and boom, smashed in the back of his head. He was sprawling, crying. She picked him up, said, now go to school, don't, don't do what you're not supposed to do. And I still recall that memory as one of the most fondest, and you know, looking back, Quite terrifying uh, memories to where here's my parents trying to teach my, my brother, hey, don't, you know, listen to what we tell you. You have enough. Don't take more than you should. And the way it was enforced today would get your kid taken away from you. I know some of the spankings and beatings that we got, if a teacher had seen those marks on us now, you know, my parents would, would probably be, we'd probably be in social services. You know, they'd probably charge them with abuse. And there's been definitely a lot of conversation with parents today who will say things like, well, there's nothing wrong with a little spanking and, hey, getting, you know, letting them know who's boss is, is what you need to do. And kids nowadays are so out of control because parents don't have any resources and, and they don't have any means to discipline their kids. And so spanking them is the way to go and, and like, that hey man put them over your lap and just let them have it tan that hide so to speak but i started i started doing some some research and some digging and i'm going to touch on that in a little bit but i found in, in listening to a lot of research and just you know on online and just talking to educators and people who are far more capable of child psychology and things of that nature it, um, that i've been listening to one of the things i, I had to rationalize and kind of pinpoint together was when I would question, why did my dad spank us or beat us or, you know, try to have that kind of attitude in the home? And you have to look at it. You really have to give grace and mercy when you're talking about this kind of stuff. Because here was my dad, right? It's in the, it's the 80s and the 90s. He's working in construction. My mom is not working outside of the home. And he's the breadwinner. He's bringing home the cash. And he's, he's working in construction. He's a welder. And during that time period, it's not the... Canada tries to come off as this multicultural, you know, melting pot. But there was a point where people were coming into that pot and they didn't like it. My father tells me uh, the racist remarks and the bigoted statements that were made towards him and other welders from the Caribbean and, and from the Philippines and from other parts of the world where they just didn't want you here. They knew that the birth rate wasn't keeping up, so they needed immigrants. But they didn't have to like it. And my dad and other members of, uh, who, guys who I consider uncles now, who, who were always friends of my dad's, would always share stories of like racist foremen and companies that would, you know, um, you know, guys on the job would say things and, and, um, and just, just some of the worst insults you could possibly come across as a, as a person of color. But they would have to suck it up and take it or, or sometimes a fight would break out and they might get fired. And so a lot was riding on that. And so you're, you're dealing with a lot of this stuff and then you come home to your home and to be completely honest, you don't have a lot of power and authority on the outside world. You're kind of 
having to shuck and jive, and I'm not calling my dad this, but you kind of have to, you gotta have to play the game and do the dance. And it's not like it is now where if you are in a job and that job is like racist or bigoted or whatever, there's a lot more resources now. I mean, they're, it's still pretty bad, but it's not, there's, there's a little bit more as far as hopefully things that could help you deal with that. And there wasn't a lot of language for a lot of that stuff either. You know, mental health and anxiety and, and doubt. And particularly when you're coming from a very evangelical, um, biblical mindset, particularly in the, in the Caribbean, where mental illness was, was on par with de- demon possession. If somebody had any form of, uh, you know, schizophrenia or mental illness or whatever else, it was like pray it away. And, or it was like that person did something wrong or they, they must have obia or some sort of evil and they just have to get it exercised. And so there was no talk about talking to a shrink or a psychologist, especially in the black community. And it's getting a little better now, but there's still that stigma. Still that stigma that there's something wrong with you. Like from the get go, there's something wrong with you already because you're black and you're one fifth human being and all, all the craziness that came from Jim Crow and apartheid and, and on all of that. And so there was this attitude, well, you don't tell other people our business. What are you doing? Putting dirty laundry out there. That's, that's keep that in the family. You deal with it, you handle it. And I have to feel like if there was outlets for my fa- some of my family members, they may not have had certain like illnesses and, and stuff like that. And if they had that relief just to say, Hey, I just need to let this go. I need to talk to somebody. I need to find coping mechanisms. I need to find, but there just wasn't language for that kind of thing. So you, you, you mash all that up together and then you see my dad come home and he sees his two kids and what are they doing? Are they the top of their class? Are they the, you know, valedictorians? Are they, are they bowing down and worshiping the ground he walks on because he and my mother um, made the howering journey across the seas from the Caribbean to Canada and the freaking cold, you know, to, for a better life for themselves and their children. No, they see their kids watching s- cartoons and eating, sh- eating sugary cereal and, you know, um, and, and all this craziness and not taking school seriously. And so what did he do? The only thing he knew how, which was discipline through the belt, through the backhand and, and I'm not painting him as somebody who would come home and just beat the hell out of us because he, you know, he wasn't drinking like that. And he, he would come home. He wasn't gambling. He wasn't uh, beating my mom or anything like that. But there was that feeling, I, I, looking back now, of just powerlessness and this feeling of, I don't even have, dare I say, it, dominion or authority in my own home. And so when you're, you're kind of like in that state, you don't have it outside. You don't have it inside. You know, you don't own your own home. You're you're renting your car. If you're leasing it, there's this sense of powerlessness, particularly within, um, um, the male attitude of things. So you try to find it any way you can. For some people, it was drinking. For some, it was gambling. I had friends whose parents beat the hell out of them growing up. I, mem- I remember I used to get spanked bad, but I remember I had friends, and these are white kids who, like, their parents were were gone for, like, three days on a drunken bender, and I had friends who would have to get themselves ready for school at the age of, like, 10 and 11, and their brothers, and, and you know, just be so terrified when their parents came home if they worked out of town or they were left with an aunt and uncle and just the beatings alone. And I had a friend who got hit with a goalie hockey stick, kicked down a flight of stairs. Like, but again, nobody talked about this kind of thing. And, and and it was just, you just kind of kept it in silence. So that's kind of the attitude that I come from when it comes from spanking and discipline and everything else. And what kind of changed for me was not just having my kids, but realizing that if I hit my kids the way my, I got hit, they get taken away. Well, then why would they get taken away if I'm disciplining them? And what about that was so awful? What about that was would garner my children not being seen as safe in my presence or in my care? And so that started a whole rabbit hole stuff of kind of deconstructing that attitude and that mindset. And it's kind of interesting because I was remembering an interview that uh, Ice Cube did 
for the uh, Slam magazine years ago. And he was standing on the forum in L.A. at the time before it turned into, I think it's the crypto center or the Staples Center now, but it was the forum back in the day. And he was standing there, and I think he had either Nick Van Exel with him or another rapper, and he was talking about how he loved the, Cel- the, the, the Lakers so much. And his dad would always get so jealous. Oh, excuse me. His dad would always get so mad because he was like, yo, James Worthy and Magic Johnson, they ain't paying your bills. What the hell are you looking up to them for? You should be looking up to me, you know? And that was always the, the problem with media in the 80s and the 90s. Like, the people that we saw on television were so larger than life and encompassed such a an immense um, shadow that we wanted to emulate that it would kind of leave our parents feeling like, what the hell? <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to work. I'm busting my ass. I'm making you your lunch. I'm washing your, your peed sheets, you know, and you wet the bed. I'm, I'm getting you, um, we're going to Blockbuster, getting those, those dumb <laughs> superhero films you want to watch. Ice Cube ain't doing crap for you, or, you know, whatever. And, and as a parent now, you realize, yeah, like, that's just the nature of things. Like, your children are going to have other heroes and other mentors other than you. And if you're lucky enough, coming back around, they'll recognize the sacrifices you made. I, I remember, I think it was a rapper, Rest in Peace DMX, who said, if you want, oh, if you're scared, get a dog. But if you also want, like, to be... To be, if you want to get um, appreciated, get a dog. But you won't get that sort of appreciation or love or thanks from your children until they're your age or a little bit older. They won't. They won't get it. And now that I am, you know, the same age that uh, my dad was when he had me, and st- I'm a bit older and stuff, and I have kids, you start to realize that they're just people. Your parents aren't superheroes. They're not these you know celestial beings they are people who are broken and damaged and chances are their parents were broken and damaged and didn't have any form of coping mechanisms had had didn't have the language didn't have the wording didn't even didn't even know they needed help to deal with their problems and then you show up either by just the cost of doing business or you know, the byproduct of the social norms, and now they're saddled with two, three, four kids in the suburbs, got a a mortgage and a house, parents that they're trying to care for, and to make matters even worse, when you're from the Caribbean and other third world countries, if you're doing okay, you have to send money back to the family. So there's like this dual kick to the nuts where you're trying to maintain your own life and then the life of of your, you know, family back home and so it could be this thing where if you're not careful you're not you're not able to just look back and say okay I had to really dive deep into you know do some deep thinking and meditation into this and realize that what my dad was doing wasn't trying he wasn't trying to hurt me per se that he wasn't trying to um, damage us or hurt us in any way but he was he was trying to help us and he just didn't have the proper tools to do it. And so I started thinking, like, I'm very much an advocate for not spanking because it, I find that it doesn't do anything. Yes, it hurts for a little while, but all it did for me and my brother, I kid you not, was just help us to find sneakier ways to get away with stuff. Yeah, we'd get spanked for, like, the 10% of the stuff we did, but the other 90% was, like, we didn't actually have a change of heart. We just realized, oh, if we want to get spanked, if we don't want to get spanked, then we got to find a way around, you know, ingenuity, as it were. But before we touch on um, the Shiny Happy People documentary and some of this uh, Duggar stuff, something, uh, I was thinking about something when I was meditating and doing some prayer and stuff. I was thinking how with the disciplining and everything else and sparing the rod, spoiling the child and asking, does it really actually do anything? Is there actually any benefit to it? Because on the one hand, I knew that if I messed up and I caused problems, there'd be a consequence. So there was a line drawn that said, okay, these are the standards and this is what we expect. But I remember when I would get, get things wrong in school and I had a horrible grade five year and I got all F's. And I remember coming home 
and I'd get yelled at and screamed at and stuff. But because they didn't have the language to state that, hey, if you fail, that's not a bad thing, because that's how you learn. Rather, saying things, and again, they didn't have the language for this, and so there's no anger there. But I know with my children, and you know, and hopefully parents who went through what I went through, could state that you fail yourself to success. You don't win. You don't. You don't just get everything right all the time. To to know what's what's right, you have to mess up. And the varying degrees of what might happen and what might take place, you're going to have to get one plus one as a mistake equals three before you know it equals two. And so when I got disciplined for failing, when I got disciplined for bringing home bad marks, all that taught me was I'm getting a, I'm getting spanked, I'm getting beaten because I got this question wrong because I failed. And what probably should have happened was you should only get disciplined or reprimanded if you have not tried. If you if you haven't if you've you know just kind of given up, if you've lazily not done the work and tried, and tried to kind of put it off no effort. That's what you should be, you know, disciplined for, not for failing. Because if you're failing, that means you actually tried. Okay, try again. Hey, how do we get this to a better, you know, to, to a right outcome? What are, what, are the, um, what are the steps that we can take to not, not I don't want to say not fail, but to fail to success? And knowing that would have helped me tremendously. Because again, all you're thinking is that you're stupid, that you're dumb, that you'll never get this, that you're ignorant, that I guess what they say is true about you know, black people or whatever else. And I internalized all of that. And it took years for me to kind of break away from that and realize, no, like you have to fail to succeed. And if you don't, and if, and if when you're creating something, it doesn't look like crap, you're not really doing it right. It's, it's the finished product that's going to get to a place of, oh, okay, now I see what it looks like. Like if you're painting something, when you first start painting, your stuff looks horrible. Once it gets to the finished product, then it's like, oh, okay, I see what the shading is, is for, and I see what these lines are for, and I see what this, what this background and this backdrop and your center line and your perspective is and all this stuff, and now I see it as, as something. But again, there wasn't the wording for that. There wasn't the, the language for any of that, and, you know, you, you, um, you paid the price. And, so, and thankfully, my parents weren't abusive to a point. They were strict and fair, but they weren't trying to hurt me or harm my brother and I. They were trying to protect us and keep us safe. And so, in uh, looking at this um, cult to consciousness kind of thing, I found something really interesting which I wanted to uh, read here. So let me just quickly look it up. Um, the author of this podcast, let me see here, I'll bring up her Instagram real quick. Let me just see. Here it is. Okay. So, I mean, if you look this up, eight ways to discipline your child without spanking, you hit your kid and shouldn't have, now what? Five ways to stop spanking today, why you shouldn't spank your child, and what to do instead. I hit my child and feel guilty. I push my child in anger. Positive effects of being spanked as a child. Can spanking a child ever have beneficial results? A contentious study back in 2010 said spanking may benefit children. Spanking a child on the bottom. Does any good come from spanking your child? Uh, so let me see. The, the uh, effects of spanking on the brain. Physical punishment of children lessons from 20 years of research. So there's a lot of stuff here. But uh, I'm going to find this one here. It's called Very Well Family. And it says, is spanking children an effective, an effective uh, consequence? So here we go. This was written by Amy Morin. Um, back, oh, just September 20th of last year, 2022. It says here that spanking is a widely debated topic. Most experts advise against using corporal punishment, but some parents believe that spanking is an effective discipline strategy. Other parents admit that they have occasionally spanked their child, especially when they are feeling overly stressed. 
Whichever camp they belong to, all parents need to know and closely consider the potential consequences of physical punishment, including spanking. Now, why parents spank? Sometimes spank, uh, parents spank their children out of desperation. When kids frequently misbehave, parents may feel as though they are at the end of their rope and aren't sure what else to do. Parents in these situations might say nothing else seems to work. Without a consistent disciplinary strategy, it might feel like spanking is the best option. While spanking may alter behavior in the short term, it rarely has a positive effect in the long term. Studies have shown that spanking is ineffective and detrimental to children's development. Parents may rely on spanking to fix behavior problems without trying alternative disciplinary strategies to actually course correct a uh, uh, prob problematic behaviors. Uh, another common reason parents spank is out of exasperation, impulse, or anger. A parent who reacts out of frustration, I can't believe you just did that, might spank a child without thinking. If you don't know how else to discipline your child, spanking might become the first line of defense. While it might feel like a solution to the moment, at the moment, spanking won't solve the problem or teach your child better behavior. Many parents later regret striking their children. Spanking can also cause lasting damage to the parent and child relationship. Now we also have the cultural um, attitude. Various cultural groups have historically held the belief that spanking is a part of their upbringing and cultural background. However, the negative impact remains the same. Also, corporal punishment habits are the residual impacts of colonialism that has been adopted by many cultural groups. Breach. Colonialism brought these domineering parenting practices to our culture, says Lisa Priscilla Aurelio. Hillbrand, a parent, a parent coach and founder of Latinx Parenting. This, this isn't a part of our collective DNA. There is some historical evidence of black and brown families being engaged with corporal punishment. However, colonialism brought many of those strategies. Is spanking effective? In addition to being an inadequate solution to behavioral problems, spanking a child can actually create more harm than good. In fact, many studies have demonstrated that physically punishing a child, such as spanking, can lead to a host of issues. These potential problems include increased aggression, physical injury, antisocial behavior, and mental health issues. Here's a closer look at why spanking is not effective. And so it goes on to read about um, it doesn't teach appropriate behavior, it models aggression, it creates shame. Um, it shifts focus to the parent's behavior. It loses effectiveness over time. It doesn't work for older kids and teens. It's not doctor recommended. And so on, so on, and so on. Now, again, this is written by Amy Morin. Um, she is the editor-in-chief of Very Well Mind. She's also a psychotherapist, an international best-selling author of books on mental strength, and a host of the Very Well Mind podcast. She delivered one of the most popular TED Talks of all time. So definitely check her out. Uh, we'll put the link for this in uh, the podcast notes there, so you can check it out. But a lot of this resonated with me when I was um, doing some research for this and just kind of thinking about my own upbringing. And I think one of the things I want to touch on before we kind of end... Uh, you know, because you could definitely beat this horse to death, kind of thing, is that the idea of hitting somebody to get them to do something is a time-honored tradition as old as prostitution and murder and um, coveting thy neighbor's wife and all that kind of stuff. So it's not new. And if you hit somebody long and hard enough, you can alter their behavior and have them do whatever you want them to do because they want the pain to stop. However, that doesn't mean that they agree with what they're being forced to do or they want to do it. Um, you can use whatever, you know, psychology, um, torture methods you want, but in the end, if the person is a prisoner or if that person doesn't have any means to take care of themselves and you are their protector, provider, they're going to look to you and say, oh, okay, this person, I have no choice but to do what they want to do, but is it something that they want? And I, I think this is where it kind of hits home because if you're a parent that has a child that doesn't look up to you, that doesn't admire you, that doesn't see the value of all that you, you do for them, you almost have to ask yourself why that is. What it is, what is, and, and this is a hard question to ask because 
I see it all the time when um, when people are walking their dogs. And so if you've ever listened to Caesar Milan, the um, uh, the dog whisperer, he talks about uh, calm dominance, and he talks about how to walk into a room and how to command that alpha energy within the pack of an animal. And he always says there's no bad animals, there's only bad owners, there's only bad teachers. And a lot of people might take offense to that, but the energy that you give off, the things that you say, if you're always not living up to what you say. So if you say, I'm going to be there to watch your, your game and you don't show up, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to cook you this meal on your birthday and you never do. Or if you're separated, I'm going to be here at this time to watch your, your ballet or Little League game and you're never showing up. And you might have good reason. You might be working late or, you know, um, got projects and stuff like that. But what you say and what you do and what children see you do and say will have far greater reach on any spanking you give them. Jay-Z talked about this in one of his rhymes where he said... Uh, the teachers couldn't, even the teachers couldn't reach me and my mama couldn't beat me hard enough for the pain of my pop not seeing me. So with that disdain in my membrane, got all my pimp game, F the world, my defense came. Jay-Z had that in, um, I forget the name of the song, but it's one of, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the best lines that he's ever had that I, that I've heard in, in his rap career where he talked about how his mother used to beat the hell out of him, stop him from doing drugs, running the streets didn't do anything because his father wasn't there to to mentor him so if your child sees you as somebody who doesn't follow through who doesn't do what they say they're going to do as caesar milan would characterize you're not emitting emitting that that leader that pack leader energy and so they're going to be like well they're supposed to be the one running the show i'm not i don't have the tools i don't have the maturity i don't have the just the stuff to do it I'm going to lash out. Now, again, there's, there's all different avenues you can look at this, and there's all different circumstances. And, and, um, and, and if, if you're, you know, children out there suffering from actual, like, you know, um, mental illness and things of that nature, then there's, there's, you know, there's more resources now. But I'm just thinking if, if, you, if you have to resort to physical violence with your child, Is, is it just the lazy man's way of, of trying to get someone to see your way and to like follow your instructions? Like how much more impactful is it if you're telling your child, hey, you've got to finish your homework, you got to work hard because you know you need to make more money or, or do better in life. Wouldn't it mean more if they saw you doing that versus you telling them? Nothing was more damning for a parent that was a whore back in the day and now they're telling their daughter hey don't 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 do that bad stuff on your dates and it's like oh like i can end up like you you know or if you're telling your kids don't smoke don't drink and here you are puffing drinking away you're a hypocrite and you lose all 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 um power and all rapport and respect with your child and so how do you gain that back? Well, you, you got the belt. If you're in a job that you hate, you absolutely loathe and you complain about it every day, how are you going to get your child to respect you because you're willing to do something that you hate? And again, these are hard, hard um, things to deal with because, again, you might be in a, in a job where it pays you really well, but you hate it. But it's putting food on the table, and it's putting, keeping the lights on, and keeping gas in the car. And you're like, I can't step away from this just yet. I want to do what I want to do, but this, you know, this job is paying me what I need to do right now. And I, I know from experience, my own dad as a welder, who's still welding, hated welding. Absolutely hated it, but, you know, for whatever reason, never moved to another career. And so that, that plays into that level of respect that you're, you are going to have or not going to have. Do you see your parents or do you see the person that you care about actually facing their fears? Do you see them actually, you know, being honorable and taking a stand even when it's, it's not easy? Because that's what their heroes are doing. That's what, you know, the people that they watch on 
from the Marvel movies and DC movies that they're rising above and and it it this this is where it can really hit home because in real life it can be hard to try to be the hero of your own story. It can be very hard to look at yourself in the mirror and see where you're coming up short. You know, did I put on a few pounds here? Man, I'm I'm financially broke. Spiritually, I'm wiped out. You know, mentally, I'm always exhausted. Children read on that energy. I, I kid you not. Animals and kids, when they listen to them, when they... And, and that's why you, you always want to have, um, make sure that they don't lose that energy of being able to read the room and listening to their gut and everything else. But if you're, if, if parents aren't doing that and they're miserable and they're, they're bad to their spouses and all that, that, that resonates. Kids pick up on that. And so I know that obviously in this, like, you know, this episode of you know, I'll never get to the the, the Shangri-La uh, Nirvana experience of parenting, but this this um, this topic in particular really hit home for me, and there was a lot in just looking it up and realizing that there's so much science and so much um, debate about this going on. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that our parents. You know, for those of us who are of a certain vintage, as it were, did the best they could with what they had, and we're trying to just hold on and make sure that all the blood in your body stayed in there, and you didn't kill your brothers and sisters, and had enough food in your stomach and clothes on your back. And I, I think, I think, in conclusion to this podcast, that's where I'm kind of landing on because, again. If your parents didn't come home from a three-day drunken stupor and beat the hell out of you, didn't you know sexually assault you or, or hurt you or try to sell you off, or they were trying to do their best. And I think we have to look at where they came from and the attitudes they had, and um, try to find a, a little bit of a balance there. So, but anyways, like I said before, um, hopefully this added some value to your day, to your evening. You were able to get something from it. Uh, If you did, pass it along to somebody else. Heck, why not, you know? They can hear me blabbering on, my co-host Phoenix. But I just want to thank you for listening to the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. If pop culture stuff is not for you, we've got an adult fitness podcast, which is all about fitness, getting fit, staying healthy. So check that one out as well. But until next time... Take care, be good to one another out there, and have a better day. Peace.